1: Welcome to Dear Hank and
0: John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank.
1: It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you abuse advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John. Yeah. I was recently singing Smash Mouth's All-Star, and Catherine said that I should stop. And I said, hey now. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) I'm going to tell you why I told that joke in just a little bit. But first, you're going to tell me what you
0: would have tweeted about this week. Hank, hey, this weekend, I would have tweeted a tweet that instead I just texted to you and I'm going to read it now. <laughs> okay. Twitter is like going to the Cheesecake Factory. Sure, I could eat healthy there, but I ain't gonna.
1: <laughs> That's great. That's such a good tweet. Twitter needs you, but you don't need it. John, do you want to know what I would have tweeted about this week if I was on Twitter?
0: Oh, God, you're you're so on Twitter.
1: I am very, and I just tweeted about this a lot as of the recording of this. John, I know that you and I have had this idea for a long time that we would do a shot-by-shot dissection of Smash Mouth's All-Stars music video. And the thing that has been holding us back from that, John, for years yeah, is that The music video is in standard definition, so it is just terrible to look at. You can't see very much of what's going on. It's fuzzy. It's in like 480p, right? Well, John, as of today, the recording of this podcast, Smash Mouth's All-Star has been re-released on YouTube in all 1080p's, so we can start our project, John. We can begin it right now. And maybe, maybe, this is just a suggestion, we will do it as a segment on this podcast in which I will, for example, say this is the first scene of Smash Mouth's All-Stars music video in which the mystery men are sitting at a Formica table with some lanterns in the background drinking out of various cups. One of them is a Miller Lite cup and uh, Kel of Keenan and Kel is sitting over here. And uh, that is the first shot of Smash Mouth's All-Star, which is how we're going to begin the podcast from now on. I don't care if you like it.
0: I don't like it. And I also would like to at least leave this up to a poll of our viewers. Can I tell you all the things I don't like about this opening bit? Okay, sure. It's very similar to if the opening bit were, I'm going to describe a painting to you (laughs) in this a non-visual medium, mm-hmm. but instead of describing a painting, I will be describing a 23-year-old music video. There's a pink house in the background. Yeah, right. I mean- The hedge. a really nice hedge. So I want to be clear about something. Uh-huh. Doing a 470 video series that analyzes Smash Mouth's all-star music video shot by shot is a brilliant idea. It is a real million dollar idea. <laughs> Making it a podcast is a bad idea.
1: Uh, all right. Well, let's see what the audience has to say. Uh, do we have a? Tr- how would we poll them? We'll put a poll up on the Patreon.
0: Uh, let's have them fill out a survey. Yeah. You know how podcasts have have people fill out surveys so that they can like more effectively mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Advertising yep. to their podcast audience. Yep. We're gonna have y'all fill out a survey if you don't mind, where we maybe ask you a few questions about yourself, but the main thing that we need to know is whether you agree with me that this is the worst idea for a bit imaginable.
1: It's not gonna take a lot of time. The shots are fairly short. But it's got
0: the it's idea. Fi- it's fine. No, I mean, imagine you're a new listener to this podcast. Hank. <laughs>
1: All right, we don't have to do it at the beginning. We could mix it in at the end, in the middle somewhere.
0: No, I
1: don't. Right. I, don't. I, mean, I, I fixed it. The idea is better now. We'll do it in the
0: middle somewhere. I understand that the idea is bad, so let's bury it. That's basically what you've said. <laughs> I I just want to say for the record, when I called Hank to start the podcast, I said, how are you? And he said, I'm so good. <laughs> I'm amazing. I feel amazing, but I don't want to talk about why until we start recording. <laughs> and I, I was like, is he having another baby? Uh. Like, <laughs> what what am I about to find out? Also, I don't want to belabor this, but like, why does it matter the quality of the music video if we're describing it in a podcast? It matters
1: so much. You have to go no, right Hank, now Hank, and watch Hank. it in HD, John. It's a completely different right, experience.
0: But, but the point is that the listeners of this podcast aren't watching it because they're listening to a podcast. All
1: right. Well, they'll watch it later. I've been tweeting about this for years. I've been so mad. On on January 1st of 2019, I tweeted, is 2019 going to be the year in which they release Smash Mouth's
0: All-Star in HD? And they did, John. (laughs) You you made it happen, Hank. Congratulations. You used your powers for very marginal good. (laughs) So
1: Universal Music Group got a New York Times article about their uh, endeavor to uh, release a bunch of music videos in HD. The representative from UMG says at the end of the article, if you didn't educate consumers about what Grand Crew was, everyone would be drinking wine out of a box. Is how he ends the article about Smash Mouth's All-Star being in HD. John, we've been drinking Smash Mouth's All-Star out of a box. (laughs) And now we have whatever Grand Crew is, but for Smash Mouth. (laughs) I need to be educated on what Grand Crew is because I honestly have no idea.
0: Basically, what that quote means is if you don't tell consumers that they need to spend more money per unit of thing, they will spend (laughs) less money per unit of thing.
1: (laughs) I know. Like that is it's. Oh, that quote is life, man. I It's everything.
0: Okay. I, f- I forget if this is a smash mouth all-star <laughs> love podcast or Not if this is an advice giving podcast. We'll see what happens. <laughs> the survey will be at patreon.com slash dear Hank and John. You obviously don't have to be a patron to fill it out. Please fill out the survey. Patreon.com slash dear Hank and John. Help Hank understand what a bad idea <laughs> Help
1: this is. John understand what a great idea this is. not a
0: great is. idea. This first question comes from Wes who writes, Dear John and Hank, my wife and I recently purchased our first home and were presented with four copies of our key at the closing table. As we were unpacking our kitchen <laughs> stuff, however, I discovered ten additional copies of our key in a cabinet. What should I do with all these <laughs> keys? Keys and conundrums. Wes.
1: Are they nice looking?
0: No, I imagine they're Home Depot keys. Yeah. You know when you get a key now, Hank, you can get like a camo key or Mm -hmm. you can get a key that's printed with your kids' faces on them.
1: It expresses your
0: identity, yeah. Uh,
1: You have to educate consumers about the value add of the key.
0: (laughs) If people don't understand how much a high-end key is worth, then they're just going to be spending 60 cents on a regular key. (laughs) There's no margin in that. How are we going to make new billionaires with that model? Oh, my God. No, here's what you do, Wes. You put these 10 extra keys in that cabinet— And then slowly, over the course of the next 20 years, Mm. as you lose keys, you replace them with the 10 keys from the cabinet, thereby saving yourself over the life of your home around $14.
1: Another suggestion. You put really obvious hide-a-key rocks... Next to your neighbor's house, but with your key in it,
0: (laughs) so that when burglars come by to try and break into their house, they get fooled. Also, you've always got a spare key at your neighbor's house. (laughs) Okay,
1: alternate. The actual thing that you're going to do is you're going to put them somewhere and forget about them. I, John, I want to do a a video on Vlogbrothers, and I've been wanting to do it for several weeks now, where I, uh, you know how people have like apartment tours? Yeah. So I want to do that where I like show off my like lifestyle through like a sort of fancily produced video, except I just want it to be about my nightstand. And it's just like a 39 year old man's nightstand And how much detritus has accumulated there. (laughs) Yeah. And just the number of wires that are involved somehow. Right. All the charger cables I have for phones I don't have anymore. And Catherine just puts things in the drawer when she's tired of looking at them. So it's just like whatever was around a year ago is in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the we get- regular car reviews, that guy on YouTube who reviews <laughs> like a 1994 <laughs> yeah. Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do a somewhat similar video, and I think that's a good idea, by the way. I don't think it's the best idea you've ever had, but I mean, look, we got to make Vlogbrothers videos once a week. So
1: Who needs great <laughs> ideas? We need good ideas. I've
0: I've been wanting to make a similar video that I don't think I can ever make. You know how I got a Tesla Model S a few years ago? Mm -hmm. I've been wanting... There there are all these reviews on on YouTube of Teslas that are super breathless and excited, and I've been wanting to make a video (laughs) called, like, a Tesla Model S review, and it it begins like this. Uh, So this is a car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like it does all the things that cars do, you know, like there's a different pedal for going and a, and then one for stopping. Um Mhm. And it has four doors like other cars. And it it's a car. Here's, here's where you hook up the car seat for the baby. Yeah. It does all the regular <laughs> car stuff. It doesn't really do anything other than the regular car stuff. Like, <laughs> I've heard a lot about Ultimately. the stuff it's supposed to be able to do that isn't car stuff. And it, like, kind of does that stuff. But mostly it's a car. Mostly I don't want to do that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, does the autopilot work? I mean... Sometimes, but I'm not really looking for sometimes when it comes to autopilot. Can you go really, really fast?
1: Maybe. I haven't tried. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't really know how fast it goes from zero to 60, but it goes from zero to 30 very quickly. <laughs>
1: Uh in general my car goes at this like at the speed I would wish it to. I, right. I have never in my life been like, "Boy, I wish this car went faster." Yeah,
0: right. Like uh, that's the other thing about my Tesla is that it goes all the speeds I want it to, you know. Like, <laughs> but also so does my 2011 Chevrolet Volt. Like they both go every speed I'm interested in. All of the major speeds. 30, 35, 50, 65, (laughs) occasionally. John, we have a really important
1: question that I made red in the show notes because I think it's so important that we get to it. It is from Kim K who asks, dear Hank and John, it's just, it's a conundrum. Uh, Dear Hank and John, I recently started uh, reading a romance novel about two people who meet and eventually fall in love with each other. That is sort of how they work. I got a third of the way through it, and I was really interested in the storyline and the characters, so I recommended it to my grandma, who also really loves cheesy romance novels. The problem is, as I continued reading, I discovered that this particular romance novel was actually quite raunchy, like really raunchy. I already told my grandma that she'd like it. Now what do I do? Uh, Not the Kardashian, but still trying to keep up. Kim K. Oh, boy. So I guess look like I might... Probably your grandma likes isn't probably hugely against
0: raunchy romance novels. I'm
1: just going to like probably it's going to be okay.
0: Yeah. It's hard to think about grandmas this way sometimes, but they are people. Mm -hmm. And so I think you can say like who
1: have definitionally done the sex.
0: uh, Yes. It reminds me of what Sarah's grandmother Lulu said about looking for Alaska when she first read it. Uh huh. She said I thought it was a sweet novel. I was surprised by some of the things that young people are apparently doing. (laughs) God, I was like, you know, that's suitably vague. (laughs) It could be a number of smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Who knows for sure? Going to boarding school. I've got to guess. But I I don't need to confirm it. Yeah, I think she'll be fine with it. But I think you could also say, oh, grandma, this is super awkward because I recommended that book to you a third of the way through and I did not know that it was going to take that particular turn.
1: Yeah. Or you you don't have to say that even like just like send a quick uh, note. I don't know how you like a text message. I don't know how you communicate with grandma. Uh, You could say, I want you to know that I recommended this book when I had read a third of it. That is all the information I will give you about this situation. That
0: is actually perfect. That is perfect. You don't need to bring up the reason. She'll understand. This next question comes from Gatoshri, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm a psychology student, and my school is organizing a psychology quiz. We have to name our teams with psychology-related terms. Do you have any creative or out-of-the-box team name recommendations? Freudians and Pavlovians are already taken. I mean, those are so basic.
1: They're bad anyway. Yeah. Basic. John, do you have any off the top of your head?
0: Well, Hank, I've spent most of my life as a psychology patient, so of course I do. <laughs> okay, the Skinner boxes—that's your number one psychology quiz name.
1: That's good. I like the Skinner boxes. The
0: Young and the Restless.
1: Oh no, you did not.
0: Maslow's hierarchies of destruction. Edie
1: Brittell and the new compensatory
0: strategies. <laughs> I like that because it's a real deep cut. There's about four of our (laughs) listeners who are familiar with Edie Brukel and the New Bohemians. What about Young, Scrappy, and Hungry, a Lin-Manuel Miranda reference?
1: Ah, yes. Or, I mean, you could go so many different directions with Young. You could have, like, uh, Young and Dumb. You could have
0: Neil Young, something like that. Neil Young and Crazy Horse.
1: (laughs) Young, Dumb, and Broke. That's what it is. That's the song lyric I was trying to think
0: of. Young Jeezy. <laughs> Hank, you know that I am like a secret, passionate lover of rap music, and I love so much the Lil, like Lil mm-hmm. Nas X, Lil Peep, yep. Lil Wayne being the first Lil, but I also love a young a young jeezy.
1: Do you think that Maslow would be Lil Maslow or would Maslow be
0: young Maslow? That's a great question. I feel like it'd be Lil Maslow. These are probably jokes that you don't get, so we should just move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't. You're right. You've right. correctly identified the situation.
0: Another one could be, for instance, the taking your medication doesn't make you somehow less creative or whatever's <laughs> Like, you could go like Quizophiles, Quizophilics. Ooh, the Quizophilics. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's a way to intimidate. (laughs) I mean, all of these are so much better than the Freudians and the Pavlovians.
1: Right. We have given you many gold here. You're welcome. uh, Just, I don't know why you're not just going to go with the Skinner boxes because that was the best one. But we did keep talking for a while after that. So
0: (laughs) that happened. Oh, boy.
1: John, I think that we did, did that one good. This next one is from Leo, who asks, Dear Hank and John, as a university student going through finals, I'm wondering what is the most effective way to pull an all-nighter? Thanks for any dubious advice. <laughs> Leo, this isn't something that... From Paris with love, Leo. You don't... there are not like strategies. You are forced. You have no choice. You do it because you must.
0: I have pulled several all-nighters for the purposes of work, and I mm-hmm. can tell you that not once has it been effective. No. <laughs> like, it is so much more effective to sleep for two or three hours. Those, the two or three hours that you spend sleeping that you would otherwise spend quote-unquote working, you're not working. No. I'm sorry. You're, just, you're not thinking straight. You're not productive.
1: No, and, and, th- and that's the thing about all-nighters.
0: I never actually did
1: a full all-nighter, but I did lots of three to four hours of sleepers. And I don't like that. also is not something that should happen. You should not allow this to happen to you, but you probably will. That's life. But my strategy, I, this is, I've never heard of anybody else doing this, but I would eat one chocolate chip every five minutes.
0: Wow, that is really weird. I think I think coffee is a more effective way to get your caffeine, but if you want to get it from one chocolate chip every five minutes, that works.
1: I don't think it was about caffeine. I think it was about like every five minutes, I'm going to remind myself that five minutes passed. And that, like, ideally, I did something useful in those five minutes. Eating a chocolate chip is extremely easy. And it's not like the stimulant. It's just like sugar. It's sensation. It's like a little bit of a reward. And, like, I'm not, like, gobbling chocolate chips. It's like an imposed discipline on my study. And I would go through a lot of chocolate chips, but I probably would have eaten more if I'd just been eating them.
0: That's true. That's definitely true. Like, I could eat a couple hours worth of chocolate chips in a single bite. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, I have.
0: I have stayed up all night a few times as an adult to finish a writing project. Wow. Most notably when I was finishing Turtles All the Way Down and Looking for Alaska. But the reason I stayed up all night was that I became convinced that I needed to like stay inside of a flow or stay inside of a mm-hmm. mindset in order to finish, and that I would lose that mindset if I slept and had a bunch of dreams that weren't about the book and woke up. Mm-hmm. And I, I I do think that was kind of effective. It's not healthy. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I can recommend it. It's not good for your body or for your soul, but it did sort of work. Like, I remember finishing Looking for Alaska at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning, finishing the last major revision when I wrote the last four pages of the book and, ah, uh, I mean, it felt pretty good.
1: So our dubious advice, chocolate chips. Do you have any other work ways to stay up late?
0: No, that's a great way.
1: Okay, chocolate chips, maybe do some squats. What? <laughs> Maybe do some squats. I've heard people say that.
0: No, if you're going to do exercise to try to get energy into your body, you want to try to do kind of full body exercise, I would say. So I would say more like push-ups. Okay, John says push-ups. Or just try to hold a plank for four minutes and then eat a chocolate chip. And if you're so tired that you can't keep
1: studying, that means that you're too tired to keep studying. Go to sleep. Yeah. You're definitely too tired to take a test which is what you will be required to do in the morning.
0: All right, Nick, we have another question. This one comes from Ari, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm writing because my dad keeps calling the pod Fun with Bob and John. How do I get him to stop? It's really annoying. Not made of air, Ari. <laughs> or maybe Ari
1: Welcome to Fun with Bob and John. This is a new podcast where we answer your questions and tell you all the week's news from <laughs> Smash Mouth All Star.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a much better idea—a spin-off podcast where Hank reviews the All Star music video shot by shot. <laughs> that is a great idea. Ask yourself that, Hank. Is that a good idea for a podcast? Is it? <laughs> it's called Hey Now. It's a <laughs> I mean, podcast. It is a great name. <laughs> But is it a great idea for a podcast? Uh,
1: look, look, John, no, that's why we have to do it inside of this podcast because no one would listen to that one. <laughs>
0: right. but that 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 is my point. <laughs> We'll see what happens, John. Dad jokes are a good idea for a podcast. What I would have tweeted this week is such a good idea for a podcast that you started a podcast (laughs) on that topic. (laughs) The news from Mars is a good podcast idea. Other people have that podcast. The news from AFC Wimbledon, obviously a great podcast idea. Hence the nine years podcast, the unofficial AFC Wimbledon audio zine. My point is that a good bit should be... Of distilled version of a good podcast idea. John? Yes. I think that we have to let the audience decide. Patreon.com slash Hank and John. I have never been so stressed out. If I have to listen to two and a half years, <laughs> years of Hank reviewing the All-Star music video, I I might quit. I might quit. <laughs> Just gonna you throw can't, it out there.
1: You can't hold that over the people.
0: Okay, I won't quit. But <laughs> I will really, you know how, like, I've been able to get into the news from Mars and I've become kind of interested in Mars. I'm going to really struggle with the audio reviewing of a visual medium. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Ari, I think that it's great that your dad even knows about our podcast. That's absolutely. I'm strongly in favor of him calling it Fun with Bob and John, perhaps because I'm the one whose name is being remembered correctly. But I don't know, Hank, what do you think?
1: I'm fine with it. I love it. I think that's a better name for a podcast. And I wish I was born Bob so that we could have a podcast called Fun with Bob and John. And I I think we'd have more listeners, John. I think that people would flock to us. Yeah. Especially if we talked about All Star a lot.
0: That's what's really keeping our podcast from being a breakout hit is that your name isn't Bob, and we don't talk enough about a single pop song that came out twenty five years ago. It is a All good right, song. We'll
1: see what? What happens? This next question comes from Austin, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I've been dating my girlfriend for over six years now, and every time I see her parents, I never address them with their names, only ma'am or sir. It's not that I don't know their names, but I don't know if I should use them or Mr. and Mrs. first and last name, perpetually using non-specific pronouns, Austin.
0: I struggled with that. Me too. With my in-laws for a while. Mm -hmm. What do you do now? Now that we're like, old. Now I call them by their first names. Yeah, I largely call them by their first names. You know what you should do? You should skip over first name, last name, all of that and just start calling them mom and dad right now. Yeah. And see how they respond to that. Boom.
1: Even though they are not married, yeah. not even engaged. Just like, yeah. I, I mean, when I was in high school, I would call my friends' parents mom and dad just because, like, that was the convenient thing to do instead of having to try and remember all their names or, like, say, Mrs.
0: Delater. That's very weird.
1: Yeah, I guess now that I'm thinking about it.
0: I don't, I feel like I just never referred to adults. Except for my parents by name or at all or by rank. (laughs) You know, I I, I would go to extraordinary lengths like our listener to just not refer to them directly. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, hello. Hi. Right. Yeah. Good to see you. Well,
1: that's I do that all the time now because I can't remember people's names very well. Good to see you. Uh I think that I think that you like eventually you will have to make this transition and it's always going to be awkward. Like it's uh, and and especially like when you're, you know, 6 years ago, I'm imagining maybe you're like a teenager or like early 20s and so like yeah, sir and ma'am, that's what you do. But if you're like 28 now, you have to start like not saying sir all the time. It's like almost too respectful. I don't know. Be, like it depends on different dynamics and cultures are different in different places, but like eventually you do have to make this transition and it's never not going to be awkward.
0: I might say, how would you prefer to be addressed?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like,
0: I would expect them to, to like bring it up and be like, you
1: can, you can call me Jeff.
0: Yeah. That's what he sounds like. That's true. It's kind of on them. In fact, this isn't your problem. This is their problem. Forget it.
1: Boom. John solved your problem for you. It's not yours.
0: Did I ever tell you about the time I saw the, one of the senators from Indiana and he recognized me and he came up to me and shook my hand. And looked me really deep in the eyes and he Uh patted me on the back and said, I hope you sell a lot of things. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I think he I think he like got halfway through the sentence and he lost confidence in me being a writer. You know, he thought I was a writer.
1: (laughs) He's like, I'm pretty sure I know who you are. He thought he wanted me to sell a lot of books. But then But boy, do I not want to say the wrong
0: thing at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think he got halfway through the sentence, and he was like, I think this guy is a writer, but what if he's actually a recreational vehicle salesperson? I think I should just try to make it less specific and go with things.
1: <laughs> the only—both the, RVs and books are nouns. Yeah. I hope you sell a lot of nouns, may I, friend?
0: Hope you crush it in the nouns business, buddy. <laughs> I you know, I hope you're able to convince lots of people that those common nouns are actually very fancy proper nouns. <laughs> Got to convince those consumers. Got to get that Grand Crew recreational vehicle going. Oh, God. The
1: Grand Crew of All-Star Music Videos is here to stay. You got to watch it, John.
0: Which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Grand Crew. Grand Crew. You should pay more for it, even if it's not better. (laughs) This podcast is also brought to you by
1: Fun with Bob and John. Fun with Bob and John, with Bob and John Green, coming to you every Monday morning.
0: How do we have so much energy at 5 o'clock in the morning? Well, today's podcast is also brought to you by eating a chocolate chip every five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this podcast is
1: brought to you by Grandma's raunchy romance novels. Grandma's raunchy romance novels, come on down. It's on I-375 in downtown Roanoke. bum <laughs> We also have a Project for Awesome message from James to Kayla, friends with Venezuela. I want to give a shout out to my wife, Kayla. She's a brand new veterinarian dedicated to the care of furry friends. I'm so proud of her commitment and passion. She has a question. If you could have any animal as a pet without consequences or responsibilities, what would you choose? Kayla would pick a lion. Remember, vaccinate your pets. James plus Jacob, Bo, Sabrina, Casper, and Tormund.
0: How many of Jacob, Bo, Sabrina, Casper, and Tormund are humans, and how many are <laughs> pets?
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that <laughs> one of those people is a person.
0: Person. I think Jacob and Sabrina are people, mm-hmm. and I think Bo and Casper and Tormund are. Cats? I think that we could
1: safely say that Tormund is a cat or dog. And I'm going to feel really bad if I'm wrong about that.
0: There's two possibilities, Hank. One is that Tormund is a pet. And the other is that Tormund is an amazing human, right? Like... (laughs) I mean, there have to be people who
1: were named Tormund before Game of Thrones came out and are just like, oh, grand.
0: Now this is <laughs> like happening. As if I didn't have enough challenges going through the world as a Torment. It's like being a Hermione.
1: Yeah, they're out there. They're just, there just aren't a ton of them. I mean, it's also a little bit like being a Hank in, in the 90s when South Park had a Hank poo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but to get to the question here... If you could have any animal as a pet without consequences or responsibilities, what would it be? For me, it would definitely be a fox.
1: Without consequences or responsibilities. I don't understand how this is possible, but if I could have any pet without consequences, or responsibilities, it would be a blue whale because like there's no <laughs> consequences
0: and there's no responsibility. So like, just go all out. Right. But I just think a blue whale wouldn't be that fun to play with. No, no. Screw this. I want a
1: stegosaurus.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Great point. Why are we sticking <laughs> to extant species? I want yeah, Yoda. I want- <laughs> Yoda is not a pet. Yoda is a person. No consequences or responsibilities, John. Right, but do not get me started on whether humanoids like Yoda and Chewbacca are people. Okay, Yoshi then. Yoshis. John, I've changed my mind. I don't want a dinosaur. I don't want a blue whale. I don't want
1: Yoda. I want Shai Hulud. I want the sandworm <laughs> from Dune.
0: I want Yoshi.
1: <laughs> That's that's way better. I don't know why I want these terrifying animals. Yeah. But there's no consequences, so it doesn't matter.
0: Right, but, like, if I'm going to have an animal with no consequences, I want it to be an animal that can, like— put almost anything inside of its mouth and store it for me for an Mm. infinite amount of time and also that's like happy to have me ride on top of it while it (laughs) takes me to various locales.
1: I mean, this is also true of the sandworm from Dune, though.
0: This episode of Dear Hangout is brought
1: to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week, and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house. And Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep, it's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Jobani, Honest Kids, Kind... Mike's hot honey, oatly, olipop, poppy, salt,
0: All right, we got another question. This one comes from Juliana, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I walk about two miles to college every morning. There are three other schools, an elementary, a middle, and a high school on the way. This seems like the setup for a joke, but it's not. This means that I often find myself walking in the middle of a gaggle of children I don't know. Now, I don't mind being caught in the elementary school kid crowd, because then I can blend in with the parents. However— Because of when my class starts, I'm usually stuck with the middle schoolers. I'm a fairly confident 23-year-old adult, but middle schoolers are terrifying. Juliana.
1: John, why are middle schoolers so terrifying? I'm right there with Juliana.
0: They are. Every time I've ever done an event in a middle school, like walking through the halls and seeing the lockers and seeing the middle schoolers... I, mm-hmm. I break out in a sweat and I know that I'm an adult, but the way that they are able to like casually and coolly just destroy me. Yeah. It's never gone away.
1: They still have that power. I was in high school and there was a middle schooler that lived down the street and I was like I assume that like I will be sort of like in a social position where I will be instantly respected because I'm like five, five years older than this kid and I like went on the street to play basketball and he was just so mean and I was like I hate this so much and I had to like I, I got destroyed. Yeah. I was like a foot taller than this kid, and everything that came out of his mouth just sunk into my soul. Ice I don't, cold. Like, what is it about them?
0: I don't know. But they have, it's a quasi-magical power, but the bad kind of magic. <laughs> it's
1: the, They have the bad magic. The middle that schoolers. said, I don't
0: want all the middle schoolers out there to feel like they're terrible or evil or anything. No. Yeah, I guess. It's more that you're powerful. Far more powerful than you understand yourselves to be, right? Because the way that you wield words causes ongoing terror in adults. <laughs> and so if you if you are a middle schooler and you feel like deeply hurt by the things that people say about you, please know that, like that is normal, and it's ok. Mm. And it will get better because you won't always be surrounded by middle schoolers.
1: Yeah, there there's a there's maybe a nugget here that I had never thought of until now. But like there are points in your life when you don't know your own strength, like physically and like you will do things and be like, oh, I didn't realize I was strong enough to do that to like. I remember I like I was at mini golf and I like accidentally whacked somebody in the face. You remember this, John? Casey. Yeah, I whacked Casey in the face with the golf club and he bled. And I was like, I did not know I was physically capable of doing that much damage. Because, like, previously I hadn't been. Right. And, like, middle school is the time when you become capable of doing, like, social damage and you don't know yet. You don't understand that. Or you're, like, or it's, like, sort of marvelous and magical. And so you're, like, trying it out and, like, is this working? What am I doing? So you don't know your own strength and so you you cause damage when you don't know that you— can, or you become kind of like really enamored of the fact that you can have this power and you use it without thinking.
0: I also think it's easy to forget that middle schoolers are kids Mm -hmm. and that they're super vulnerable because they don't like look as vulnerable to adults a lot of times as, for instance, elementary school kids do. And that can make them feel a little intimidating. But they're still kids. I remember being in sixth and seventh grade and being like acutely aware that I was a child developmentally, but inside uh-huh. of a body that less and less resembled what I felt like.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's almost like part of the uncanny valley of the middle schooler is like not knowing what category to put them in.
0: So you just have to remember, Juliana, that however uncomfortable you feel, just (laughs) try to remember how much harder it is to be in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And then...
1: Get some rollerblades and yes. just skate on to school. You're going to be so cool. Everybody's going to be like, wow, there's that super confident 23-year-old Juliana. Oh, wow, look at Juliana. Going to school on her, like, I don't know, what do they have? I don't know if they have rollerblades anymore. Heelys or possibly uh, boosted boards.
0: Use a Razor scooter. Yeah, absolutely. That'll man. get them. Get that Razor scooter. Then they'll be like, oh, dang, look at Juliana. <laughs> Whoo. Razor scooter. I had one of those, but my mom took it away from me for two weeks because I used the F word in front of her. (laughs) This next question, and probably our last, because
1: we've been rambling on, John, is from Melanie who asks, Dear Hank and John, a couple weeks ago, we had midterms and it was very stressful. So I decided to start gardening since John had claimed that this helps with the stress. Well... Long story short, now I have 57 tomato plants growing strong and I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do with them. What do you do? Do you like cull? Do you stop watering the ones that don't look as good? And Do you just start giving away tomatoes? Do you start canning? What do you do, John? Help.
0: All of the above. <laughs> you're going to have too many tomatoes. <laughs> so you're going to give them away to anybody who will take them. You're going to learn about canning. Which, by the way, don't do it wrong, because then you can die. So no pressure. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard about that. Just can correctly or you will die. I don't want to overstate it, but that is my understanding. Don't get your gardening advice from a bunch of yahoos who host fun with Bob and John. But yeah, be careful with the canning. And you're going to eat a lot of tomatoes. You're going to make yourself a tomato and crouton salad all of the time. That has a fancy name, but you just call it tomato and crouton salad because you're you're a regular person. You're a person of the people. Grand crew. <laughs> <laughs> just call it that. And you're just going to enjoy having too many tomatoes. And then next year you're going to be like me and you're going to think, you know, I think this year I'm going to be good with like four or five tomato plants and I'll focus on the other items that I could make. This is like
1: the only gardening tip I can give. One of everything except garlic because garlic lasts. And also garlic that you grow in your yard is better than garlic from the store. It's easier to peel because store garlic is terrible and it shouldn't exist. And then like if you have too much garlic, First, that's not going to happen because it lasts forever. And second, if you do, everybody wants garlic. Yep. Like it's never, it's never hard to give away garlic, especially because people will take it because they're like, "Well, I don't need garlic right now, but I will eventually." Right. Whereas if you give someone a tomato, it's like, "Well, I have to use this today or tomorrow or never."
0: Great point. Garlic. Listen, before we get to the news from Mars and Nancy Wimbledon, there's a few things that we need to discuss. Several people wrote in about Liverpool, including Krista, who wrote. Dear John and Hank, but mostly John, since when are you a Liverpool fan? I thought you were a diehard AFC Wimbledon fan. I'm confused about this whole Liverpool thing. Merry Christmas, Krista, which is a great name specific sign off for July. Krista, I've been a Liverpool fan for my entire adult life, and I've been a supporter and sponsor of AFC Wimbledon since 2013. So Mm. that's the deal. They don't play each other very often. They played each other once. I made a video about it, a couple of videos, actually, back in the day. But yeah, I don't talk about Liverpool that often on the podcast because the podcast is an AFC Wimbledon-oriented podcast. There's plenty of Liverpool podcasts out there, God knows. But I, I have been a Liverpool fan for a long time. And even though, you know, my heart is definitely swells with every AFC Wimbledon victory, on a Saturday morning, I am always, always, always watching Liverpool.
1: It's not new. It's it's always been a thing. It's just not as much of a podcast thing. Right. It's It's always more, it's a more of
0: a personal thing. I recently had an opportunity to turn my love for Liverpool Football Club into a job, and I realized that if I did that, it wouldn't be fun anymore. And so I chose Mm. not to. Also, David wrote in to say that, indeed, there are more non-computable numbers than computable numbers. I was excited to hear about computability theory on the pod, as that is what I am writing my PhD thesis about. Not yet a doctor, (laughs) David. Well, good luck, David. It sounds like a gripping PhD thesis. I can't wait to read it. I bet I won't be able to read it. I bet it'll be written in the language of math.
1: I... Also, somewhat similarly, Kristen wrote in to say, after listening to the pod this week, I wanted to write in because I am the campaign lead for Curiosity's exploration of the clay
0: bearing unit. Wow. What? What a cool job. I mean, Why why
1: aren't you on the podcast? Kristen, email me. Come on the pod.
0: Yeah, fun with Bob and Kristen.
1: (laughs) Part of my job is to decide what observations we need to address the most important science questions in this region. When we learned that we identified clay in the drill samples in the clay bearing unit, it was so exciting and I was so incredibly relieved to find that we had successfully predicted that with orbital data. Thanks for featuring that milestone on the pod. It made my day. I'm a Time listener of the pod, and I love that you decided to talk about Mars news of the week. My favorite so far was how Georgia is developing wine that can grow on Mars. I suppose I am also now invested in AFC Wimbledon. Ha ha ha, you're getting them, John.
0: Keep up the excellent <laughs> podcast, Clays and Curiosity, Kristen. Oh, all right. So, Hank, speaking of Mars, what's the news from Mars?
1: This week on the surface of Mars, John, Star Trek. So the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, as the name would suggest, is orbiting Mars, and it reconnaissing, taking high-resolution pictures of the surface of Mars with the high-rise camera. And... Uh, They have they take a bunch of pictures all the time for a bunch of different reasons, but they found on the surface of Mars what appears to be the logo of Starfleet, which resulted in a little bit of Twitter beef between William Shatner and Mark Hamill talking (laughs) about whether or not any Star Wars logos had ever been on Mars. But if you're curious, you might have heard about this, but the reason that there is a Star Trek logo on Mars is actually kind of interesting. So these images are from Hellas Planitia, a large plane in the Hellas Impact Basin, which formed almost four billion years ago, and a meteor hit Mars. And over time, it's had like volcanoes and dust storms and maybe even glaciers. And in the case of the Starfleet logo, uh, at some point a long time ago, there were big crescent-shaped dunes moving through the region that were like pushed by wind, like you know, sand dunes are. And then a volcanic eruption happened. And as lava began to flow, it cooled and solidified around the dunes. The lava didn't cover the dunes. It just surrounded them. So there Mm. are still these like crescent-shaped islands of sand that are there, but the dunes have since blown away. So these are called dune imprints or dune casts. They're like the handprint celebrities make, except that it's like the handprint of a dune that has long since blown away from the surface and gone somewhere else.
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. It also just seems weird that the Star Trek logo would presage that, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing about- There's something
0: a little Jungian about it. Yeah. Like, I've always looked at the Star Trek logo and felt like there was something deep and weird about it. I don't know. Yeah.
1: It's graphic design oftentimes is about like shapes that are unique but still feel natural, still feel normal, and like fit into our brain in really good ways. Right. And it's interesting that like this like futuristic symbol, like you see it and it's like this is a very recognizable logo, but it is also like not something that you would necessarily see a company now using because it has this weird futuristic feel to it. Yeah. And,
0: And why? Culture. But in the same way that the Star Trek logo is not quite symmetrical this dune print is not Mm -hmm. quite symmetrical Mm -hmm. which it's just it is pretty wild yep it's real good well hank the news from afc wimbledon is curious our manager wally downs has told the south london press quote i think we're just about done when it comes to transfer business Then he said, I've got a little bit of wildcard money, which is not how I like my sponsorship money to be referred to, but whatever. (laughs) But not a great deal. I would argue that it's actually pretty significant. It's the club's (laughs) decision how and when they do incomings and outgoings. We're all aware of what is going on, and it is how and when they release it, which is an amazing number of its per sentence (laughs) without a single antecedent. (laughs) Uh, Right. So
1: I have no idea what any of that means, but like more so than you, just for clarity.
0: Yeah. So what I interpret it as meaning is, one, Wally Downs does not want to answer questions about incoming transfers. Two, it would seem that the club has signed players or made agreements with players who will be coming in, but we haven't uh, announced those. So they are not yet publicly known. That is my hope. The other possibility, which is worrisome, is that we just aren't going to sign any new players. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Also this week, we found out that James Hansen, who was uh, an important striker last season, uh, has left the club by so-called mutual agreement, which usually means that uh, James Hansen had a contract, but the club was like, you're probably not going to play much next year. And James Hansen was like, all right, well, then I'll leave if you, you know, make it easy for me to leave. And now uh, is being signed by a team in the fourth year of English football, Grimsby Town. So good luck to James in his future endeavors. It does mean that Wimbledon is going to need, I think, I, my opinion is that Wimbledon needs a striking partner uh, to go alongside Joe Piggott, and I don't yet know who that person is going to be. I hope that Wally Downs knows who that person is going to be, but time will tell. When does when does sports start again? Sports starts again in mid-August, so we have almost two more months of so-called silly season. <laughs> Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah, they call it silly season because it's just constant. I mean, for Wimbledon, less so, but for like the top level teams like Manchester United and Liverpool, it's just constant speculation about who's going to be signed and who's going to be released. And it's all a reality television program, essentially. But, oh, Mm -hmm. mm. It's just magnificently written and casted. <laughs>
1: well, I'm excited for your future, and I had a really good time making this podcast, John. If you want to go and answer our survey, it's at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. You don't have to be a patron to fill it out, but if you want to be a patron, you can listen to our patron-only podcast This Week in Ryan's, which John and I are going to go record right now. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who goes and does that. Uh, it's going to be helpful both for me finding out that you're really excited about our new segment, Hey Now. <sighs> Here on Dear Hank and John And I also have to write that survey So I'm also going to do that after this week in Ryan's, I'm just reminding myself John Yes Thanks for podding with me Thank you This podcast is produced by Rosianna Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson It's edited by Joseph Tuna Medish Our head of community and communications Is Victoria Bongiorno The music that you're hearing now And at the beginning of the podcast Is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our
0: hometown Don't, Don't forget, forget to be awesome here.